Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast today. My name is Aldo Spensieri, and I'll be your moderator for today's podcast uh, based on training. With me uh, on the line from the uh, MPSA's Education Committee is Petra Diener, who's chair of the committee, Edwin Youngsma, who's co-chair, uh, Bill McVicker, Ed Mosteller, and Bill Ford, who are esteemed members of the, uh, the Education Committee. As an international dependent, independent industry body, the MPSA provides education research and best practices to help organizations actively manage and optimize their document output devices and related business processes. That's a, you know, a lot to say, but to make sure that you're up to date with what's going on in the industry, to share insights and expertise with you in a timely manner, we, the Education Committee, have decided to bring hot topics to you via podcast. So today we're gonna to take a closer look at the importance of training. What options are available? Uh, what to consider when training, uh, when selecting a training model and a trainer? Uh, is it best done in-house or should we leave it to the training professionals? To help answer some of the questions, we're honored to have with us today two special guests who are true specialists in their field. Um, first up is uh, Melissa Whitaker. Melissa is um, a sales and uh, management expert, business consultant, and published international best-selling author who helps executives and their teams achieve alignment and drive profitable sales. After 20-plus um, years of proven sales and management results with leading organizations, Melissa founded Melissa Whitaker International. Through her proprietary program called MWI Total Sales Transformation System, Melissa has helped thousands of reps and hundreds of companies achieve uh, double-digit percentage increases in their business within the first year of working with her and her team. Transformation process creates long-term sustainable growth through creating clarity, finding ideal clients, increasing sales, accountability, mindset, and faith. Melissa's passionate about making sure uh, people feel seen, heard, and understood in their programs and in the corporate world. Welcome, Melissa, to our um, panel of experts. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And uh, along with Melissa is Rick Lambert. Uh, Rick is an award-winning uh, sales performance coach who is founder and CEO of Sell2Win.com, a company that has trained over 25,000 B2B salespeople and specializes in new hire and advanced sales training for managed service providers. Rick is also CEO of Intocommunications.com, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps MSPs engage and connect their brand with today's digital buyer. So Rick's companies combine training and digital marketing to form what he calls sales offense systems. In 2018, Rick was selected an industry difference maker by ENX Magazine. And in 2019, SAP selected the Sell to Win eAcademy on demand learning platform as global winner of best channel training partner. Rick's clients include OEMs, distributors, MPS infrastructure providers, and many of North America's top performing technology resellers. Rick, welcome to the panel. Thank you very much, Aldo. We got to get you voicing over our commercials. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> well, we're, um, Today's, uh, again, today's podcast is really based on training, and, and we're very honored to have both uh, Rick and Melissa uh, with us as uh, an, ex an Ask the Experts panel. 
As we get started, um, Edwin, uh, who's our uh, co-chair, brought up a point a few weeks ago when we were talking about training and the importance of training. And he brought up the analogy that athletes train every day to play once a week or every other week. Whereas in the corporate world, uh, a lot of the leaders kind of you know, hope that um, uh, reps can train themselves. So the first question, uh, and I'm gonna direct this to, uh, to you, Rick, the importance of training. Uh, how do you talk about the importance of training to some of the sales leaders or some of the business leaders uh, out there? And how do you convince them that training is important if they don't Okay, well, great, great question. And uh, thanks to the MPSA as well for inviting me today. Uh, I've uh, been associated uh, either directly or incorrect, indirectly, and you do a great job. Uh, in answer to your question, so I, I come from carrying a bag, started in the late 80s with Xerox, uh, was uh, then a sales manager with an independent dealer, then a VP of sales. So I used to hire trainers to come in to train our sales team. And quite candidly, uh, when one of my guys would lean over to me and say, hey, Ricky, what's for lunch at about you know 8.45, I knew I was in trouble in terms of the training <laughs> for the day. And I, I, so I got into the business about 20 years ago training salespeople. We specialize in managed service providers, copier dealers would fall into that. And so the analogy to the athlete, uh, you know, I'm a Canadian guy. I grew up playing hockey and uh, wanted to play in the NHL, but by the simple fact that I'm on this podcast today, that didn't quite work out for me. <laughs> but the, the fundamentals of being an athlete, though, uh, an elite athlete, uh, you know, you got to do it every day. And I think a lot of sales organizations, what we used to do in my company and what we see a lot of companies doing today is they'll hire someone like Melissa or me to come in maybe once a year at the kickoff or once a quarter. And I think these one shot kind of train them and then, you know, these car washes, they fade very quickly. And so what we've done in terms of our model and been very successful, we believe, with managed print service providers, especially is providing like an ongoing training curriculum that has macro pieces, micro pieces, inspection, and with the new dynamics of the millennial learner today, of course, you know, if something's not spinning or something moving, you know, so, so we have to enter train them as a term we use as well. And the last point I would make around training is just that I think a lot of sales leaders today blur the difference between product training and sales skills. And although they're both critical, I think they're two distinct things and they both need to, the same way as you would train your sales force on the latest technology, I think that the sales profession is evolving, becoming more digital, et cetera. And so the bigger MSPs that we work with are very much bought into that athletic kind of, you know, ongoing uh, continual reinforcement and inspection as opposed to the, you know, the one-time shot. Yeah, so ongoing training as opposed to exactly that one time. Melissa, how do you feel about yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I played soccer for about 14 years of my life in my earlier part of my life. And, um, and when I played even at the collegiate level, I will say that, you know, we find it so extremely important for anyone who's ever been an athlete or even loves to watch sports can see that people have to train in and out every single day to master their craft. And it's not just a one and done like, hey, I think I've mastered it and that I don't need any more coaching or help uh, because things change. So similar to what Rick was saying, we have the core fundamental belief here at, you know, for MWI, Melissa Whitaker International. Um, myself, similar to Rick, I started in the field 
You know, I started in sales for an independent dealer in the Chicagoland area. And when I started, there was no training. You know, years ago, like you had mentioned earlier, there was no such thing. It was literally come in, here's some cards, scratch this name off and put your name on there. Um, here's some brochures and good luck, right? And yeah. so the challenge with that is you know, there, there are still some leaders today here uh, some time ago, almost like, you know, over close to 20 years later, we'll have this fundamental belief of swim. You know, and we, and we, and unfortunately, that's not going to set them up for success. So what we do is we, we fundamentally believe, it, similar to what Rick was talking about, but coming in, not only giving them core fundamentals and making it fun, so they're not bored and blind right um but really making games out of it making it interactive making it you know they're experiencing certain things in the classroom or initial the initial stage of the process but we actually believe in doing a six month or 12 month what we call program and we see the highest roi whether it be new people who are new hires tenured people who have become complacent and frankly need some information and what's fresh and new and also different generational shifts that we have seen in here and how people learn and how they grow and expand and how they want responsibility. Um, we just find that bringing those together and giving them a program where they can get their feet wet and get new info, but then have monthly coaching reinforces what they've learned, helping them to implement around real world scenarios and not just hypothetical. I think one of I think one advantage that Rick and I both have in the field is that we both come from those, from from actually being on the you know on the street, right? So we both sold, we've both been in management positions, we've both been executives in the digital imaging world. So when I went from sales and then went to a district sales manager and then worked for a manufacturer, I got to see all different forms of what is working and what's not working. And when I started my organization about nine and a half years ago, it came out of really wanting to empower people with the tools that I didn't see them being provided with and making sure that it's in a, it's in a, it's a process that provides really high ROI and is ongoing so that when things change and modify, which we've seen dramatic change in our industry, um, as things change and modify, just like top athletes, they have to have coaches to help them to navigate these kind of uncharted waters. And, and that helps for newer people or tenured people who are trying to grasp all of this change. They all need help and they all need accountability and mindset. And I feel yeah. like those two things are still missing. Yeah, so I've got a couple of questions as follow-ups to your comments, to both of your comments. The first is ROI, but I'm gonna keep that one for a little bit later. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, training the athletes, in this case here is training the sales reps. Who else should you be training in the company? Uh, do you want to take that one, Melissa? Sure. Yeah, I mean, or do you want me to? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll start it. That's okay. Um, I will say this. Uh, I find that not only is there this focus on training sales professionals, but one thing we've also spoken about is the fact that we have a lot of sales leaders or hopefully they want to be leaders, right? Sales managers, director of sales, VP of sales, even general managers and owners for that sake. What we find, I will be honest with you, is 
individuals at a higher level who think that maybe they've mastered something or they've had some great success and therefore we have, I see a lot of people think they don't need any additional coaching or training or development and they are also they're, they they don't get out scot free right? I mean because of all this change and they're guiding and leading their team yeah I just find that there's a big gap when when I'm talking to owners about do their sales leaders need guidance? You know, like I was just, I just got a video out yesterday. Some people may have seen on social media or through our YouTube channel. And I spoke specifically about this, Aldo, because it broke my heart that I was on sales calls. And I literally heard owners say, you know what? Um, two main concepts came across. One was, you know, my, my sales management have been doing this for so long. They know what they're doing. They've been through tons of classes. They don't need to learn anything new. I thought, whoa, that's a scary statement. <laughs> and the other thing that I heard from owners was I had, you know, some owners say, you know what, eventually I would like to retire. I do have people like maybe my sales where I'd like to up level to a, a more important position and role in my company. And I can see where there's gaps um, where they really grow and learn some areas that they're not great at. But but my concern was the owner said, so, so Melissa, can you help me sell them on the idea that it would make sense for them to do some training and coaching with, with you? Because they're not sold that they need it. And I thought, wow, why are you leaving that to chance where if you see that as an owner and you're learning your company and you see that this greatness inside one of your sales executives and you want to pull that that out of them but you're you're telling me that we need to somehow sell them on the idea that they need to learn and so i thought that that's kind of a sad statement because i think as any top athlete and a coach that that trains and 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 brings up a top athlete that we have that correlation you know great coaches see greatness in their in certain people and they literally um i'm not joking pull that greatness out of them right they may make it a little tougher in certain areas they may guide them different and and if owners are not willing to see these things and say i want to give them the tools and techniques that are going to get them from a to b so that they can be ready to go to take on this more important role when i retire i mean why are they leaving that to chance so yeah. I, I do believe that we do need to do a better job of speaking with and encouraging sales leaders and owners to see the value in their growth, their mindset, because it comes from the top down. Yeah. So just again, to, to add on to that, um, and, and I wasn't just talking about for them seeing the importance of training, but for them being trained alongside the sales reps so that they right. can continue some of that uh, ongoing training. Um, Rick, how do you see that? Do you find sales managers are, are equipped or, or developed enough to train and, and coach their salespeople, you know, once, uh, once your program is, is done? Well, uh, you know, our programs, people retire earlier once they take our programs, although ah, you there know, you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me come well back said. if I can, just to the, uh, the athletic thing. So yeah. yesterday I've got 56 people in a room for a live event. Okay. And I'll just tell you based on the hairdos in the room, they're not new hires. Okay. This is a tenured sales group. Right. And if we come back to that athlete mentality, what my company does and what I do is I run sales practices, not sales training sessions, because I believe that 
training has this kind of negative connotation sometimes with it that the athlete, or in this case the sales rep, you're going to train them something new. And, uh, you know, I played NCAA one hockey, uh, played pro hockey for a year, and we would go over and over the same move again and again to develop what we would call an unconscious competence. So when that situation arose in the game, you could do this. So I think uh, we're talking about training today, although at Sell to Win, what we do is we talk about practicing skills. So the other thing, the question you had there was around who should be trained. So what we did very early is I realized that I needed to scale myself as a speaker. I think Melissa's done the same with some online stuff. But we need to go to the web very early and 20 years ago, we invested a lot in video. And back to your question of who should be trained, what we developed a program for called Selling Managed Print Services to Win. It's an online program. We've trained over 4,000 reps through this course, through distributors and some of our partners or directly. And um, what we do is we train the receptionists as well. So the first couple modules, for example, on Selling Managed Print are around the need for managed print. And we find that in a lot of dealerships, for example, the call may come in from a customer and they may ask a question, you know, what is managed print or can I talk about something? And they have no idea because they may be used to selling copiers, for example. And we use the same kind of cross uh, um, model for, to train the technicians because a lot of times the salespeople are ahead of the curve in terms of what's new, what's hot, what's fresh. But if we can get more people in the organization understanding what the value proposition is, in this case on this podcast, management services, we think we'll have a better chance to communicate properly to the customer on a service call when they come into reception and, of course, the sales reps. Um, you asked about the sales manager. So obviously they're a key cog. Uh, you know, I was a sales manager, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had, um, but what a learning curve. And, uh, you know, a guy, when he hired me to be a sales manager, he stuck this sign on my desk, and I'll never forget it, says, you know, age and treachery will always outdo youth and skill. And, you know, I thought I was young and I could take it. I would just say that today's sales managers, like, you know, it's a, it's a pressure cooker job, right? You got to hit the numbers, you got to do all these things. And so what we try to do is lighten the load of the sales manager to do something we call sales huddles. So we have clients right now that on a weekly basis, and if you're listening right now, you can do these things on your own. Like, But my point is uh, the sales manager typically in our eyes needs something quick and easy to do within a sales meeting or in a car before a call, for example, but typically a sales meeting to practice skills. So let's take objection handling, for example, right? And everybody thinks, hey, I've been trained on objection handling. I went to that course, but do we, can we ever practice it enough? And we always get the same ones, right? Your price is too high, happy with the other guy, whatever. And so an example the listeners could do today is, you know, with one client, we just said, look, let's grab a deck of cards. And on each card, we'll write down objection we get. And over time, our deck of cards will grow. And then a sales manager could just deal those cards out in a meeting, rep flips them over, and we see his instinctual or her instinctual response to these objections. And so... I think sales managers, um, you know, it depends on the manager, my quick answer. What we're trying to do is we're trying to support the sales manager that sometimes is a great seller or a great manager, but may not be the best at constructing a very productive, very quick, uh, low to no prep exercise. And um, so we're doing that on a weekly basis with our clients. It takes 15 minutes, for example. You can imagine if you had cards, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, um, in short, most sales managers are clearly focused on the numbers for obvious reasons, and we all know that it takes the people and the activities and those good things to drive the results. That's very interesting. Um, 
maybe switching gears a little bit because we talked about online training and and uh, um, the sales huddle and and uh, on site or on premise training. Do you see a difference, and Rick? Um, do you find there's a difference between the millennials or the younger reps as opposed to the older reps with the old hairdos, if I can use your phrase, on, on um, you know, which, which adapt better to which type of training? Okay, so uh, I have two Gen Zs of my own. They're Gen Zs, wherever country you're in. Um, right. I, got a, I got a 9 and a 12. And um, so that's what I'm living in, and we train a ton of millennials. Um, you know, half of my staff are millennials, and uh, we recently just signed a uh, big deal with the, the top uh, business school in Canada uh, to train their graduating students that are taking business and marketing to uh, on how basically how to sell. And the reason that um, we were told we were selected for our selling business to business program is because what the colleges now are focusing on for the millennial learner is something called experiential learning. And I think Melissa hit on it nicely earlier where, uh, you know, I'm 52 years old today. I know I sound a lot younger probably, but I'm 52 and I grew up in an area where we would go to training and get a binder and we would actually put up with some dude at the front of the room right, with a text-filled slide, flipping them and talking in an authoritative voice because he or she was a consultant. And we all know the definition of a consultant, right? That's a guy from out of town. Yeah. So we, 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 what we, we see is the millennial learner, they're growing up with online learning. And so we, we suggest for that particular profile is a hybrid mix of live interaction where we actually in some cases have to force them to actually speak. Um, but they're, they tend to gravitate very much towards the online learning and just tell me what I need to know and give them bite-sized pieces, uh, breadcrumb them along the way. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, and Melissa, this one's for you. How do you measure the effectiveness of that type of training? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, obviously we're really heavy into ROI and um, as an organization. And it's interesting because you know what, uh, you know, although we started doing in training and coaching and, and learning along the way, even nine and a half years ago, I'm going to be honest with you, clients weren't necessarily coming to you and saying, gosh, you got to prove ROI, right? They just would either see uh, the importance of giving people the tools or not. And so I think it's interesting that there, for sure, everyone is in a heightened awareness. Buyers have changed even for our clients as dealers and, and, and organizations. And they've, they've gotten savvy themselves. And they've said, how do we show a really strong ROI? And so you know, what we do is we make sure that um, that's another reason why we really encourage six months or 12 month programs with us. Because when we can do that and we do learning and then coaching and reinforcing and talking about actual accounts and moving the needle. While we're doing those month to months, people who we work with fill in a coaching form. You know, they, they document and say, what were my successes, small, medium, and large? What were my roadblocks that are real world right now with certain clients and certain prospects, ones that have stalled out or ones that, um, you know, we worked really hard on and all of a sudden we feel like we're, it's slipping out of our fingers, whatever the case may be. And then they have to set two smart goals of what they're going to do, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and has a time frame of what they're going to be accountable for the next 30 days before our next coaching session. And then ultimately at the very end of that, they have to, they have to document their results, right? 
what do they have a target for their group that or a quota that they are supposed to be working at and, and, and then what, what did they actually do for their own results to kind of compare those two and some people look at revenue and profit some people measure it highly on profit as their main point you know it can be different depending on you know who we work with and some just mainly look at revenue right so we track all of that and then what we do is we start to look at behavioral change how they're utilizing the uh, the skills and the, the techniques and tools that we go over um, when they talk about the successes that they have we also have a question that says what specific new tools and techniques from what we've gone over have you utilized in the last 30 days that made an impact for you and what were the results and so we really do track how they are tracking it not just for us for the, so that we can come back with just that overall ROI. But here's what we found. We have found that when sales reps, they're out there, sales professionals are out there, of course, we're all getting hit with rejection day in and day out. And so I remind them, gang, keep these, in, keep these with you. Scan them in, have them available on your computer electronically or digitally, wherever you're at. And then if you're having a bad day, you're getting a lot rejection after rejection, open up some of these coaching uh, forms that you filled in and just that you documented from month to month to month. And what happens is it infuses in them the confidence that they don't feel at the time. Um, and we know confidence is half the battle, of course. And it infuses in them that they can see and track themselves over the period of time from, from three months ago to now, that even though they feel like they haven't moved the needle a lot, that they have moved the needle a lot. And boy, where were they three months ago versus where they're at now? And then they go, holy cow, I have made some... I have made some pretty specific huge changes and therefore I'm getting these kinds of results. And so it, it kind of goes twofold. We want them to be able to have something to look back at for encouragement, confidence, and really getting them the, you know, the knowledge that they have grown, learned, and expanded and they have successes. But the other side of it is then we have all that tracking that therefore we can go back to the senior leaders and the owners and say, not only do I want you to look at of course, uh, you know, what their quotas were, were versus results versus an increase in results. That's what people have always measured. But on top of that, what we want to do is we come back with reports that say, yes, but I also want to show you small successes, mid-sized successes, and large successes based on accounts with tangible dollar amounts relating to those and how they won them and what tools and techniques do they actually implement and use hands-on that shows a direct correlation to what they received in our programs. And so I think that's pretty vital that we can't just look at revenue and profit as the end result, that's important still, but we also have to look at the journey the, the baby size, uh, uh, you know, successes that lead to the big successes. Right. And because they need to say, they need to see their people are actually growing, learning and developing forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, um, you know, we're getting close to our, um, our time. Um, there are two other questions that I do want to ask. One is a follow-up to uh, what we were just talking about. How do we ensure salespeople don't fall back in their old ways? I mean, it's great that we're following them for that six month or that year that we're doing training. Is there any follow-up after that? And Rick, I'll, I'll ask you this one. Yeah, uh, just if I can, although the last question yeah. on measurement, I thought Melissa had yeah. some great points. And I know when I was a VP of sales, we were $30 million uh, tech reseller. Of course, I wanted you know more prospects, more closables, more deals. 
you know, what we do is we try to look at the client's uh, digital marketing and also their training and combine those. And so one metric that we're following right now, and again, the listeners can do this, is take a look at your sales rep LinkedIn profiles. Quite often right now, we're seeing at the tech reseller level, the rep's profile is a complete disaster. It's still a job resume. It's not a customer resume. And so one of the metrics that's often missed, I believe, in today's digital sales arena is a focus on engagement, meaning is the rep engaging with the ideal target persona to start more digital conversations that lead to offline conversations? Because the sales funnel is looking differently these days. And, um, you know, with the high cost of sales, margin compression, all these great things, I think there's new metrics that people need to look at. And when they combine sales and marketing, really that is the, the total funnel. Um, your question, sorry, could you repeat it again? It was, uh, it was a good question, and I completely forgot what you asked me. <laughs> sure. The yeah. question was how do, how do we make sure uh, salespeople don't fall back on their old ways after we've stopped tracking them, you know, we as trainers? Yeah. So, you know, there's an old uh, play, right? Selection, deselection. And I think, um, you know, the, you know, you either got a plow horse or a racehorse on your hand, right? You can't make a plow horse or racehorse. And when you say people fall back on their old ways, I think that's human tendency. One of the things that we try to do anyway is this, again, this weekly cadence and it's a micro type cadence. It's not uh, distraction from the sales activities that are so critical. But um, we have a inspection method that we follow that has a dashboard for the, uh, the sales manager, the, the learner. Um, but, you know, candidly, unless we're there live, which is not often our model, I think it would be too expensive. I think it really falls on the sales manager, yeah. um, the leader, to, to inspect what's being done. The, other, the last thing I would say, too, is I think what, why people fall off of what they've been trained is they don't have tools. So I use the analogy quite often, I'll say to somebody, look, if I train you how to dig a hole and you leave the training and go home, you may not dig as many holes as if you came to the training and I leave and I give you a shovel of the training that you then take home with you. And I think Melissa touched on tools, but we're a big fan of train the people, but also give them a tool that they can use in the field. So for example, right now, printer and MFP security is hot as a pistol that we see. So we're training a lot of our resellers right now how to, you know, upgrade MFPs quicker than maybe a five-year lease renewal or start fires in competitors' accounts. And I think it's, you know, the tools will help support and the utility and measurement of the tools, by the way, whether it be an app or whatever, will give you indications of whether the person's falling off or not. Because I always say, right, most salespeople do the most selling they ever do inside their dealership, if you follow what I'm saying. And uh, so, I mean, I think ultimately it falls on the sales manager, but if we can give them a a dashboard to, you know, with an orange red light flashing, uh, you know, hopefully they can act from there. Great. Thank you. And and one last question for both of you. Uh, And I think it's a very important question. A company owner, a sales leader, how do they go about choosing um, the right trainer for their team? Any input on that? Melissa, we can start with you. Yeah, great question. Um, And I think this is pretty important because one thing when, when we are engaged with any business owner, we definitely go through a discovery process to see if we are the right match. I'm not a really big believer in that we are the answer for everyone, right? 
And so I believe that we have our core values as each of our organizations of what we believe in and how we operate for accountability and mindset and top down leadership. And so we will, we will make sure we go through a series of questions to help them with their own clarity first on what exactly are they trying to achieve? What does that look like? Um, what are they comfortable with? What are they not comfortable with? And I mean, an example of is we require, for instance, that when people do programs for their sales professionals, we do require their managers, their sales leaders and managers to go through the program with us as well. So they can reinforce it and they can um, implement it with their people. And we have some companies who say, nope, our managers, we're not going to, we're not going to put in your program. We just want you to train the sales people. And past early on in our early days, you know, we did that. We just helped the salespeople. And what we found was not a good match for us, for our ideal clients that then, because again, we wouldn't be doing them a favor or doing right by them if we didn't show them a, a really high, strong ROI. And what we found was it was pivotal and vital that their leaders and managers were on board, reinforcing it, and were also in the program. And they got management and leadership learning and development. And they also came sales learning and development, so they understood both. And then they, they also get a 30-minute accountability calls with myself and my team once a month that are separate than their coaching for their sales right. in alignment, right? So we just go through a series of questions to say, you know, what are things that are important to them? Do you understand what you really want to achieve learning and development experience? And what kind and these are our how we operate in this area do we have alignment and if we have alignment that our process our values and how we see the best roi can be reached for what they ultimately want to receive then we say yep absolutely it looks like we're the right match for you we can be the right partners for you but i will tell you although it's an interesting question because i have had situations where people will go down a road with us and they don't have alignment and i actually will be i'm i'm we're bold enough and we're at a place where we really know the crux of both sides and i've said to them you know what i appreciate it i i love what in some areas what you're trying to do but i'll be honest with you we're not the right match for you and i'll tell you why and you probably would need to look for someone who's more in alignment with your methods and, yeah and we've been bold enough to say that to people and again and either either they say no hold on hold on we really do work with you and we figure out if it's going to make sense or not um and then there's other times we've cut the cord and said nope you know i would suggest and i sometimes give them suggestions on people that i do like with but i'll say they might be better matches for you based on what you're willing to what you're willing to do yeah, yeah. and rick same question for you Okay, first of all, I would strongly suggest, Melissa, that if you've got someone that's not a good fit, just send them over to sellswin.com. <laughs> We're very flexible. Um, I'm just kidding. So, Aldo, your question is, sorry, what do you look for in a training provider? Yeah, how does, the, and, how does um, an employer, how does a sales leader uh, choose a trainer or find the right fit of a trainer for their team? Okay. So, uh, you know, I posted something on LinkedIn for those that follow me recently and, you know, it was, you know, bad sales training lasts forever, right? And, um, you know, I'll answer your question in one of two ways, right? I can give you my personal opinion as to what companies should look for, which might be biased, right? I represent sell to win. I've done over a thousand events online or whatever, or I can share with you what the clients that we work with, what they tell us they're looking for. And I'm, I'll let you know which way do you want me to go with this one? Um, choose the one you want. I'm going to leave this one. Okay. Up to you. Yeah. 
All right, I got you. It's late in the game. Here we go. So <laughs> what the companies that we're working with are looking for when we come in and do a discovery is they're typically looking for three things. Number one, they want industry experience. So when someone talks about, you know, PPC, MPS, whatever the acronyms are within that space, they find that there's a lot of great trainers out there, but the trainer can only get so close in content and discussion of scenarios if they don't come from that industry. And so, you know, we just replaced, for example, one of the great sales trainers, Grant Cardone, at a very large MSP for that exact reason. They found that there was too much translation required by the sales rep, who's only shaved four times in his or her life, uh, by the way. Uh, what worked in the car industry doesn't work here. So number one would be industry experience. Number two is the content. And I think you need to look at the client profile that the sales training company works with. So I won't give all our clients, but you know, Xerox Corporation, well-known for training, we do global work for that company. There's a reason they would come to us with all their expertise, for example, and the larger MSPs that we have. So I look at the client base for the content. And then the last thing I think people should look for is a scalable digital platform. Look, the turn rates right now in the managed print environment uh, sales turnover is roughly 27 to 39% we see, meaning the 39% tends to be in metro centers. And so if I was someone on the call now looking for sales training, I think the cost of live training is great. It's expensive. And with turnover, you need the vendor with a combination, I think, of live and scalable digital platform to capture the new hires, give the, get them up and pedaling, but also keep the advanced people moving forward with something that has, again, digital scale and not just kind of a, a live thing uh, required to execute. Interesting. Thank you. Well, I can't believe that we're already at the end of the podcast. This has been an amazing discussion. I really, truly wish we had more time to cover more details, but you know, we're, we're kind of at the, uh, at the limit. What I would like to do uh, just before we close is, is thank you, uh, Rick and Melissa, for, for the time to, that you took to prepare for the broadcast and, and being on the line with me today. I, I truly appreciate um, your input here. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks, Aldo. And it was great to uh, speak with you for the first time, Melissa. Thank you. You too, Rick. You too. Okay. So from all of us at, uh, at the NPSA, just one last um, a little commercial for us. Um, please send us your feedback, questions, ideas to education at yourmpsa.org. Visit the, the, our website for more content. And uh, if you know anyone who's not a member yet, send them our way. It definitely pays off being a member of the MPSA. Thank you all and goodbye for now. Bye.